something that I learned a long time ago and has been worked for me very well is that um, it's not my job to disabuse people of something they like that I did. It's not, no, 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 that's actually not good. If they're like, oh, that was, I love that thing you did. It's like, no, no, let me tell you why you're wrong. I'll tell you why that thing sucked. It's just like, and then what happens is somebody will come away going, yeah, I like you less now. Congratulations. Is that Was that the goal? Um, because I'll do shows that I don't, uh, where I didn't enjoy it, or I'll write something I didn't enjoy, whatever it is. Whatever association I have with it is mine and mine alone. And it's not my place to um, drag my baggage into something I also was putting out there as something to be enjoyed. Like, I can't be like, here, listen to this thing I did and then go, but don't enjoy it because I'm going to tell you why it's not. It's like, no, well, then don't put things out there if you're going to do that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it takes a lot of practice to get that one to just accept it and say, I have a different opinion of that. But honestly, ultimately, it is like the, God help me, it's like the Grateful Dead. They make the music and when they play it, it goes out and it does not belong to them anymore. And that's very true. It's not theirs anymore. It's everybody's. I mean, now that you're out in California, in the sunshine, have your views of the Grateful Dead changed at all? Uh, yeah, I like them less than I did when I was in New Jersey. If anything, I'm going the other way with them. No, I'm not softening. I am doubling down. And this is probably complicated for you because obviously a lot of there's a lot of humor in it for you, but it's trying not to begrudge people for the things they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's... Oh, I don't, I truly don't care. If somebody loves the Grateful Dead, I'm very happy. I'm truly happy for them. Honestly, heart, hand on my heart. If you find it and you like it, then it works for you. But there's happy and then there's like feeling like you need to like argue with them about it. I don't, I just say where I'm at. If I'm not trying to take their thing away from that. Look, I've done it in the past with, with things and it's not where I live. I'll do it for for performance on the radio, but I don't do that in real life. It's like, don't call the show and tell the guy who hates the Grateful Dead that you like the Grateful Dead. That's what you're, you're coming to me with that. I don't know what to say to that. That's just like, I'm not seeking you out and I'm not going on a Grateful Dead forum and, and, or uh, the Grateful Dead subreddit and telling them why they're wrong. I don't let people can have their, their world and they should have their world. Like a friend of mine joined a band that is a bigger band and not everybody's cup of tea. And then they were so excited, but it was an amazing opportunity. They told a friend about it and that friend was just like, man, that band sucks. It's like, that's terrible. That's real life. I, I was heartbroken on their behalf. I would never do that. I'm guessing, though, you get that thing where people, when, when they do encounter you in person, they have certain expectations about who you are and your personality based entirely on who you are on the radio or the podcast. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, that's what they, they're working with, what they are being presented with. Hey, I dropped 3,000 hours of it in front of them. It's not hard to see how they would maybe think that that's who I am. 
but it's a part of who I am. It's always a part of it. It's not, a, I'm not being fake with it, but I'm, I am performing and being funny with it. So just like the way, if you went to a, you go to a family reunion, you act one way. And then if you go hang out with your friends at a bar, you act a different way. It's not like you're lying. One of those is not a lie. They're just different aspects of yourself. And that's kind of ultimately what the radio is, is some version of that. So it's a, it's a particular aspect of myself. And some things are going to be louder in that aspect, and some things are going to be quieter. But I, I really don't think I'm, like, uh, being false. When you came over here, I think it was right right as the show was coming back. How long was that stretch in between best shows? It was about a year, all told. About a year. Ended in December 2013, started almost, actually, it's literally almost, like, almost to the day. Stopped on December 17th, 2013, on WFMU. Went to, started again in December 2014, almost, like, a week away from being a, uh, to the day. I got the sense, you know, talking to you then, at least toward the end of the show, that it was really starting to... It was draining on you, right? I mean, it was taking a lot of a lot of your energy and a lot of your creativity, and it was getting it was becoming difficult for you to do week in week out. Absolutely, it was to do and realize that I was doing it for for free, and that that was the deal. Then there was never any way. It wasn't like, well, let me keep investing in myself, and someday this business will start to pay off. You know, there's, there's that version of things when you do a thing and you have to pay your dues and then, then the, you reap the rewards after a time. The very structure of this was that there was no way to reap the rewards and that's fine. That was the deal I uh, came into at that station. I had no idea the show would grow like it did and, and actually would be as, as just popular or whatever you want to call it as it was when I started it, I had no idea. It was actually very unpopular when I started, but that's how the circumstances changed so drastically that I was just felt like I was like working very, very hard for something and feeling like the work was only getting harder and the responsibility was only getting greater and it was all the responsibility, all the work, none of the uh, none of the uh, compensation. That must be a difficult thing to attempt to explain to a majority of people. Mm-hmm. From the outside, there are there are benefits in that you know you're making obviously making this thing that's bringing people joy, and and there's payoff. Like there, I guess there's indirect payoff from the standpoint of you know sort of sowing some professional connections for you, but it, it has to be difficult to to complain about that to people like people must not have understood why you were so burnt out at the end. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree to a point. Some people, I think, I think some people at the station, there were people at the station who were just straight up, uh, not, not, uh, supportive. And it's just a few people. It's not, most people were incredibly supportive. When, when I just was like, I can't do this anymore and I'm going to go 
figure out a way to do it that I can I can make money off. The vast majority of people were incredibly supportive with that. There were a few people who who stopped talking to me at the station, but I don't care. It's my life. It's not their life. It's my talent, and it's not their talent. They're, they were also just going there playing records. I'm writing material all week long. It's just like there's a huge difference between being a disc jockey on a non-commercial station and basically writing a, a performance every week that requires multiple people to participate and be committed to this. You know, John didn't sign up for this thing. I did. And now I'm, dry, I'm you know, John Worcester now has to work for free for forever on a thing. Like, no, that's not fair to him either. Like it just not, it was not, it just wasn't good for any of us. It just, it just ran its course and it's as things do, it did. And some, but most people understood because most people don't want to work for free and they understand the idea of like doing a thing for free is that there's a limit to that. And, and I, I went past the limit and it's all, it's kind of people in entertainment, I think, allow for these wild, wildly disrespectful uh, circumstances, and and they'll just be like, "Well, that's what it's like when you do a thing." I mean, I just recently look. I'm I'm not young. At the beginning of my career, I was just working on a job, trying to write for a, trying to basically figure out a movie. A, a, a story for a movie for a major, major character in the history of major, major characters. And it was, and, but it was, there was no money yet. And I'm working for like, a, I'm pitching this major multinational conglomerate who owns this character. And, oh, well, we don't like this. What else? Well, what if it's like this? Okay, well, man, we like that part. We don't like that part. I'm saying, they're not paying me yet. And it's just like, when I told my mother about it, it was like, well, I'm working on trying to break the story, figure out if we can figure a movie out for this character that everybody on Earth knows. And she's like, wait, but you're not being paid yet to work on this thing where it's a huge Thing, and I'm like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's really messed up. Being in this line of work, I think, creates very unhealthy uh, relations to work and to compensation that at some point you got to stick up for yourself in the mix there. So, I mean, I stepped, I stepped away from that after writing for free for six months. Um, so, but here we go. The show and you were almost a victim of your own success, right? It, nothing was ever conventional with this. This show was not the best show on WFMU. Was not supposed to become what it became. That's not what shows on WFMU did, and it's not what DJs did. Where suddenly they're like, "Well, I now consider this a challenge, and I want this thing to be as great as possible every week, and I'm going to work on it like it's a full time job while having a full, actual full time job." I was doing that. It just was that it was built. It was built wrong early and was built to kind of not be satisfying and not to, not to ever be satisfying. And it's, that's really nobody's fault, but it's just the circumstances. So 
these things were all corrections in response to a wildly unnatural situation. How was that your offer you? It's got to be really difficult to spend that that much time doing something and then all of a sudden it's just gone for your life. You knew why you're doing it, you knew what the the finish line looked like, but at least those first few weeks or months must have been it must have been difficult to find your bearings. Uh, honestly, though, I was so tired at that point. The first couple months was kind of a relief because people people take the thing for granted when it's every week. Oh, you take it or leave it. It's just, it'll be there to every Tuesday till the end of time. And then when you say it's going away, then people suddenly are like, wait, what, what, wait, where did it go? We loved it and we missed it. Then so now you, you get to hear the way people actually felt about the thing. So I got to hear that and it was very validating so that was what sustained me for the first couple of months. It was like, people love this thing. I am going to bring it back. I need a break. Um, I know people are waiting for it. And they're going to have to wait. And the weird part of it was that I, for myself, was saying, um, I'm, I'm going to make I'm not going to suddenly say I'm gone and then be on every other podcast, just not my own, but suddenly like my presence is still just as ubiquitous. So I, I just didn't go on any podcasts all that year. I, that like, I was kind of gone and it was a good thing to do because I felt like I wanted people to miss the show. If the show was going to go away and then come back, I would like it if people wanted it to come back and not feel like they've been getting their fill of me through being on six other podcasts over the course of that year. That part was a little weird, but once I started putting the pieces of this thing together, it it was a very fast year. Honestly, it was like, cause I took a little bit of a break after wrapping it up then just started figuring out how am I going to do this thing? Where am I going to do this thing? What's it going to look like? Who's going to be involved? Who's not going to be involved? All of those things needed to be answered. There was so much to figure out and so many meetings to have and, and things to consider. And then when it became apparent that I just had to, the best way to do it was to build the thing back up myself rather than to sign on with some company, then that meant, well, there's going to be a whole lot more work to do with this. But the the reality is in 2014 everybody pitched me on their great company and how this was they could be the best place for the show and all that stuff. All of those places uh almost all of those places are either gone or unrecognizable. Like the show would not have had a home there if I had signed on with any of these podcast networks who've changed their uh, their priorities or their mission statements or these startup things that were just tech-based that wanted me to be a guinea pig, they're all gone. Those are all gone. The podcast networks have changed. I, I made the right call. Thank, like I look back and I'm just like, thank God I made the right call on that. 
to do it myself because it was it everything else would have fallen apart and then I would have had to start it over again on it. From the outside, it seems like the way in which this new iteration has changed is that it is now at least more than before. It's adjusting to fit with your life rather than completely redesigning your life to fit with the show. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's, it's, um, I'm, I just think I'm more comfortable with some parts of it. And, um, I think I'm more comfortable with parts of it. And I know what I want to do now with parts of it and not having, not having it feel like it's an uphill battle all the time allows me to be able to focus on other parts of it, but the creative part of it. That's, that's one of the big bummers of, um, I'm trying to think how to say it. It's just like, I, um, also my brain is not entirely back from doing this. I should say that as we're recording this, it's probably not even two days after the end of your 24 hour marathon. Yeah, so. I'm still really behind on sleep. And, um, but the thing is, um, there's been so many challenging aspects over the last bunch of years with this version of the show. Um, then it got exponentially more challenging when I moved and then the studio was in Jersey city still. And then there was a pandemic and then I'm doing the show from a desk in an office and I don't have a board in front of me that I can control the phones I don't have people around me that can help. I can't, I got self-conscious about even talking loudly because I'm at home. Think little things like that. It all adds up to, to the whole thing being compromised. But then with the lifting the pandemic, easing up a bit and finding this studio and getting in there with forever dog and, having everything I want in a place like that where there's a, I can have performances, I can do calls, I can do everything. I can control the board again. Every bit of that, having that stuff click into place. Yeah. It really, uh, it, it feels right now for the first time in a, in a long time, maybe the first time it's ever felt right. Honestly, the 24 hour event was, was in part to promote the paperback. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say it had a two, two purposes was, would be to, to get the word out about the paperback. Cause it was literally happened on the same day as the paperback was released. And I wanted to celebrate that. But then I also wanted to celebrate that the show was, was back and in its, in the uh, form that I am more excited than I've ever been excited about the show that, and that now it really felt like the beginning of, it felt like the beginning. It honestly feels like it's a, a the, like a, like a, a bit of a rebirth or a leveling up or whatever you want to call it. It just, it just is. It's, it's a chance to step. It's, it's a chance to, do it the way I want to do it. And I, and that's really what I've been doing is really just, I can do anything I want on the show. Now it can all fit under the umbrella of it. I have all the tools at my disposal 
and I'm just I feel like I can go where I want to go with it truly now. So and do it in a way that's healthy for you. I'm from California originally. I've been in New York for. 15 plus years at this point. And there was that period you probably remember, you know, maybe five years ago where like everybody started moving to LA. Yeah. I would see my friends, they would come back and it would just, they would just all, they were all so tan and healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. All of the stereotypes about moving to LA were playing out in there. Yeah. It's pretty true. It's a place that, um, if you're looking to start a new chapter, it's a place to be. It really, it makes, you can, you can go wherever you want to go here, kind of. It's very liberating in that way in terms of new chapters. Having followed the show for a while, it seemed like you were kind of gradually heading in that direction. You know, I know that obviously you were doing some show writing that would bring you out Mm -hmm. to LA every so often. You know, as somebody who's been on the East Coast for so long, were you resistant to that move early on? No, I always wanted to live out here one way or another. It was, it was somewhere I always wanted to be. And it just, the circumstances of life just made it so it's just like, it's where I want to be. I want to be out here for work. I want to be out here for personal reasons. I just want to be out here. I don't know if this extends to New Jersey in, in quite the same way, but I, I know, I just feel this like unclenching that happens, this physical sensation in my body that happens when I'm, you know, around nature. It is pretty powerful to just hand yourself over to this place. It's um, it's very real. It it changes your body chemistry to just have that that consistent weather. Everything your worldview changes because you're not um, wondering about when it's going to go from being really really hot to really really cold. And you're just, you're not dealing with that stuff. It's very, um, and the, the, the degree to which that affects everything is, is enormous. When those things change, then you're like, you're like, oh my God, I'm just not thinking about this. I'm not thinking about that. I can think about other things. Like I don't have to worry about, um, uh, an ice storm. It's just, you just, that, that stuff is just not in your day to day thinking. It's amazing. It's an interesting way of putting it, handing yourself over. What does that mean for you? Just not, not trying to find what's wrong with it, uh, which is a default setting that a lot of people, especially a lot of East Coast people, uh, something we're very good at. Yeah. And it's just to not, to just not do that is is pretty great. It's actually you actually start to enjoy your life more. I had more people see me over the last week and just be like, "Oh my, oh my god!" and say the same thing you said about the way you would see your friends. They're just like, "You look very happy. You look very healthy. You look very comfortable in your own skin." And all of those things are completely true. Can it be harder to do comedy or your brand of comedy when you're like just kind of happy? I mean, look, there are limits to what oh, a sunny day can do. Sure. <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's made a physical transformation and you're clearly, clearly are happier yeah. than, than well, you no, were for I'm a while. Happier, I'm still, it's a constant battle and real life is still real life. And 
all of these things are still happening. I, um, it makes life easier. I'm, there's no, I am in no way worried that I'm going to suddenly be so happy that I don't know what Joe, what's funny about my existence anymore. I wrote most of the book here is the truth of the matter. The book was written here. I wrote the two thirds of the book easily was written here. So that's the reality of, of that. And I think maybe, maybe writing the book somewhere where I didn't live helped shape, helped give me some, some uh, distance, enough distance that I could tell the story the way I wanted to and not feel like I was telling a story um, while I'm still living the story. If that makes sense. Um, I mean, is there a sense in which actually working some of that out on paper ultimately allowed you to be more happy, happier, I think is the actual word. Yeah. You know, it's like, it served as a, um, I think it serves ultimately as some sort of demarcation line that the book uh, explains me up to a certain point in my life. And then after that, I moved on with and, and just went move just changed things after that after it allowed you to let go of some of these things you're holding on a little bit i think a little bit it 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 just it bought me some some perspective and um yeah i think that's fair that's fair to say i mean the paperback like effectively was just about a year what has that experience been like of you know of having some of these like you know pretty profoundly personal things on paper be out for a year, be out in the world like that. It's very liberating. There's still moments where I still, there's still moments where I'm like, what was I, I'll get these like, like these ghosts of things. And I'll just be like, yeah, I could, I still didn't have to do this, but I did. But the vast majority of feelings, uh, are, it's all incredibly positive. It was a very liberating thing to get this stuff off my chest and to say, this is who I actually am. And this is actually what I went through. And this is how I got to where I got. And that stuff was very, um, very scary. And a lot of things that were very scary to me became less scary through, through sharing this stuff. So, it's ultimately that's what a year of this has been like realizing that other people have gone through very similar things either for themselves or in, in their family and kind of tapping into the commonality of that stuff has been very helpful. Um, it's an incredibly positive experience. 99% of it has been incredibly positive. So I, and I, the other stuff is just old fears kind of hanging around. We started the conversation off with people engaging with you, assuming that they know something about you on a personal level because of the way you presented yourself on the show. But has having this book out 
in the world has that changed the way people engage with you when either when meeting you for the first time or people you've known for a long time? I feel like some people maybe now um, can, they're not missing pieces of the puzzle. Because I had a lot of friends say that people I was very close to or just that didn't know about things in my past said, um, basically, oh, now I know um, who you truly, I know that, like, I see the complete piece, I see the complete puzzle now. Those missing pieces have been, been put in in their place. And now I understand you a lot better. Knowing, knowing truly what you went through. You used the word scary, and I think that was sort of more in reference to the things you were writing about. But does that also apply to the process of writing? Absolutely. And it just, because it's entirely optional, ultimately. I don't have to do any of this stuff. So um, that's what, um, that's where the, that's where all the fear was. Because it, it's just like, you can't, you can't go back. Once I make this stuff public, I can't un I can't undo that. I mean, if you're comfortable talking about it, what what in particular was difficult to, I guess, revisit or or put out into the world? Yeah, just the mental illness stuff and going through being hospitalized and having uh, undergoing uh, you know ECT treatments is very. Um, I carried so much baggage about that and it's so much shame about it and so much fear about it and that just that stuff was just growing and growing and um it never um it just seemed like it was never going to get in check or I was never going to be able to just coexist with it um but then it turns out just saying the stuff out loud that the the that it would get in it got very much under control and the fear the 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 things that were felt like they were a hundred feet tall towering over me um just re- shrunk and everything was everything was uh entirely manageable. And I just felt like for decades it would not be like I would be just like like this stuff will this is stuff grows in your mind or just like this thing will kill me. Hmm. So and it didn't. You're talking specifically about your relation to r- relationship to this thing that was in the past, not 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 so much continuing to go through it, or or is it some combination of the two? The, the way the the way the fear and shame worked for me is it might as well have been yesterday and it could be an active concern um, well you look you talk about you talk about wondering if if being in uh, you know feeling healthier and happier would if that was a fear that that would diminish my um, ability to to be me in terms of being funny and stuff, the the big thing that scared me was whether processing this stuff 
and owning this stuff and identifying this as a part of who I am. That was the big fear. It's like, does that make me less funny now? Is it, is it possible to still just go and be funny with this stuff being uh, attached to who I am? Um, that was, that was, that was more scary than anything to feel like may, I don't want to be a self-help person. I don't want to be, um, yeah, I just didn't want any of that part of it. Cause I just, that's not what I got in this to do, not to give advice or to get to just wisdom and, and, and just start being an advice, uh, writer or something that is truly what I was the most scared of uh, as, as what would come out of this, that suddenly, suddenly be like, Oh, he's not funny anymore. He's it's sad. He it's, you know what I mean? Like his story isn't funny. His story is sad. In terms of like people now know this thing about you and now they feel sorry for you and are not able to just have fun anymore. Just like, Oh, well you can't just joke around about, um, you know, candy bars anymore. We expect serious, heavy emotional uh, discussions anytime you talk. That's because that's what you're here for. And I was like, um, terrified on some level that that would be a uh, byproduct of this. And thankfully it wasn't. So it's really interesting to hear you frame it that way because, you know, I've had this discussion with a lot of people when it comes to like medication, right? Worrying that like being on medication is going to impact their personality or that, or or that, you know, again, like there's this very romanticized view of the, of the tortured artist and all the great art that comes from it. But, but your, your relationship with it is, is different in that it's just sort of, you're, you're, you're opening up the side of yourself and you're, and you're worried that that's going to have an impact in the way that people view and interact with you. Oh, without a doubt. That was, um, it just felt like I just don't want to be considered sad. Uh, that would have been, that would have been just the worst. That's like, that, that just, that would have destroyed me if that's where, um, if that's what, if that was what came out of this is that suddenly it's like, Oh no, his thing isn't about being funny anymore. It's about these other things. No way, terrible. That uh, that would have been that would have broken my heart. A lot of comedians have done this, you know, really just sort of put together a straightforward collection of of humorous essays. Or mm-hmm. but at what point in the process was it clear that this sort of stuff really needed to be a part of the book? Oh, I knew. I knew from if I was going to do this book. There's no way. There's no way to do this book without this stuff being a part of the book. It was there. There wouldn't be a book. I would never have. I never would have turned in a um, something that was just too breezy and and pleasant without this. All the stuff that happened to me and the stuff I went through without that stuff at the center of it. It just there. There would be no book. There's it. It, that that was like a uh, foundational. Um, there was like a load bearing wall for this book. Was that stuff had to be uh, what the book was ultimately about? That I went through this stuff because otherwise it's incredibly inauthentic. Because it's base. It's saying I'm it, the the point of the book would be to say who I am, and then. 
but to avoid this major piece of it, of who I am, is, it's, I don't want to say it's a lie, but it's certainly not the truth. It's not the truth, but it is, it is, it is the way you sort of had engaged with the truth previously, right? It was kind of your truth up to that point and that you hadn't really told the story before. Yeah. I also knew um, the story was not meant to be told anywhere other than a book. And until I wrote the book, it wouldn't be told. That was the, um, that just was the reality of that was that I can't, um, I can't tell this um, on the radio. I can't tell this in any way other than for me to have a chance to really, to really tell it right. And it felt like a longer form, like a, a book was truly the best place for it. In other words, it couldn't, it couldn't have been a movie script where you were sort of putting in, um, you know, some like an avatar for yourself. It actually had to be you experiencing yeah, these things. It, it just, it, Anything else would have felt like I was being too clever with it. This is just stuff I needed to own and say in um, no no uncertain terms, this is who I am. Is part of the process, I mean, you know, once you've signed that paperwork or before you've signed that paperwork, do you... Do you talk to the people in your life? Do you talk to the people who you know you know are going to be a, a part of this book? Yeah, there were challenges with that in terms of family, things like that. But um, I made the I made uh, I never went into stuff that wasn't ultimately about me. I didn't tell other people's stories. I told my story, and I, I'm a, I'm allowed to tell my own story but I didn't uh, I, I didn't go out of my way to tell other sto- other people in my lives uh, story that's their those are theirs to, to tell you talk about Terry in a bit and, and I got the sense there that it was just really just here's kind of like what went wrong on, on my side not not trying to to put the blame on anybody but but yourself I wouldn't even say it's, there's not even blame with it it just it's just life and things happen and it's kind of what you do with the things that happen um i'm just uh yeah i just i just needed to do what i needed to do uh it's just uh her stories, my mother's stories, those are all their stories and they're allowed to tell their stories, but I'm allowed to tell my story. And, and, uh, I did. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's kind of simple in a strange way, even though it sounds incredibly complex. It's, um, I just needed to tell, to tell my, my thing the way I needed to. There's a Daffy Duck cartoon where he's, it's either Daffy or Porky, and they're they're working at a talent agency, and one of the characters' talent is he, he basically like kills himself and turns himself into a ghost for the act. 
Uh-huh. Daffy or Porky says, uh, that was great. You know, you got the job. And he says, I, you know, I can only do it once. Like this, this is a trick that I can only pull off once. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And, yeah. and in a way, I mean, you know, you said, you said that the book is a demarcator of your life. You know, it sold well. I, I assume that the publisher was happy. The conversation that you have with a publisher when the book does well is, is what's next. I mean, you can't, you can't really do this book again. Oh, no. There's no version of the, the, the story was told. It's, um, yeah, no, it's just that, that I did it. I did this. I wouldn't want to even, I wouldn't want to do another version of this. Do you have another book in you though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm figuring another thing out now. Um, it'll be figuring something out that'll be funny and the same worldview, different, different type of book, but also just trying to make something that's not, um, that doesn't just like, cause the, the thing everybody does is the first book is, um, the first book is, uh, everything. You put it all into your first book, all the stories, all the, the emotions, all of it in the first book, second book, you got nothing left. And then you just do a book of, uh, tweets and things like that. It's just like garbage to me. So I'm not doing that. It's the, you have your whole life to work on your first album and two years to work on your second yeah. thing. Absolutely. And I'm just like, I'd, I'll, I'll, the one thing I did with this first book is to make sure that I was ready to write it and that it would be a complete, it wasn't going to be a half-assed thing in any way. And the same rules apply to, uh, the second book, probably even more. Um, but um, I, wa- I won't do it if it's not right, but I think this one's going to be right. Right.